0: is a bloody disgusting podcast network.
1: How no many pods do you feeling? Oils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents The Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hello,
2: I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to The Boo Crew Podcast, episode 325. At time of release, our second of three all new shows this week. This time around, you're spending an hour with two extraordinary storytellers who have both had a profound impact on pop culture and genre films, Sean Patrick Flannery and Lynn Shea. Their new surreal and wonderful blood-soaked crime thriller Frank and Penelope is in theaters June 3rd. Step into this immaculately crafted world created by Sean in his featured directorial debut. Hear about the thought process, the challenges and details that went into each frame. Take a look at how the poetic script came together, laced in muscle cars, cult, sex, and Americana. Drive into the craft of creating unforgettable moments and characters with the legendary Lynn Shea and so much more. Episode 325 is now slaying.
1: Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy.
2: Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are two storytellers whose talent and choices continue to create unforgettable moments that have very much changed cinema in every sense of the word. In celebrating their vast individual catalogs, you will find them consistently evolving as their work has truly leapt off the screen and transcended into culture itself. She is an Emmy Award winner with the extraordinary ability to make the world stop when you see her transform into a character, an undeniable and powerful presence that has cast her in a massive variety of roles, including the most popular TV shows of our lifetime, from Frasier to Falcon Crest, The Twilight Zone, and E.R., to recent modern classics like Showtime's Penny Dreadful and Eastsiders. She's been an important part of the biggest comedy films in history, among them the groundbreaking projects from the Fairleigh Brothers, Something About Mary, Dumb and Dumber, to name but a few, and a storied career in horror, building not only characters but entire franchises, From Nightmare on Elm Street to Critters and is the very heart of the Insidious films reinventing the genre forever. Also here with us, an absolutely magnetic creator with scores of indelible performances. His wonderful charisma and versatility has put him in the shoes of the world's most cherished characters and stories, becoming Indiana Jones in the 10-time Emmy award-winning ABC series, the four-time Emmy-winning Dexter. There's The Young and the Restless, Masters of Horror, Twilight Zone, most recently The Boys, and a role that defined a in perhaps the greatest action films ever made, Boondock Saints 1 and 2, creating an entire aesthetic and attitude that will forever be innovative and pioneering. He brings a cathartic depth and brilliance to roles that are so rich. They inspire tattoos, they inspire music, art, and comic books. He's written a best-selling novel, and is not only trained as a jujitsu jitsu master, but under the tutelage of the most impactful voices in cinema, Darren Bowsman, Toby Hooper, George Lucas, the list is endless, and he makes his own inescapably delightful and visceral debut as a feature writer and director with a brand new film that goes down like a cherry coke through a licorice straw chilled with bloody ice cubes. It follows two soulmates who escape their broken lives only to make a deadly, wildly unexpected unexpected. Expected turn it is by far the biggest surprise of the year only in theaters friday june 3rd it's frank and penelope we are honored to be here with its creator sean patrick flannery and one of its stars and returning guests of the show the wonderful lynn shea
3: yeah. yeah wow <laughs> okay
0: i'm done <laughs> thank you yeah. it's us both as we walk into a room because that's the most amazing intro <laughs>
2: <laughs> guys your work is your introduction it is so well deserved and it's such an honor yes. and again congratulations yeah. on this spectacular adventure wow were we ever blown away by this one! First of all just to break the ice a bit so this film most definitely dips its toes into the horror genre in in glorious ways. And and we talked to Lynn the last time she was here about her horror firsts. And I would love to get an idea of what your experience, Sean, is with the genre, uh, what it's been like as a viewer with you in horror. You certainly seem like you are a horror fan or in the very least you're a master of the mechanics of what it takes to build horror and tension. What are some of the horror films that have, I guess, affected you in profound ways?
0: You know, I have to say, you know, the the first time that I saw a film that degloved me emotionally was uh, when a stranger called, mm. and I saw that in I want to say fifth grade, and we watched it on a TV in a classroom, and I was petrified. Having said that, after the after that, you know, The Exorcist, the Damien films. Things like that, you know. For, for, for me, the horror has to serve a greater purpose. You know, for me, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of any, any anything that involves a love story, whether it's family love, romantic love, and horror is anytime that's removed, and it can be through life, death, any of the above. So as long as there's that uh, that that human aspect, man, I love I love I love good movies but when a stranger calls is the first thing that truly just emotionally turned me inside out
2: well said and you could tell i mean you're doing that with us uh, on this journey that you take us with these two characters and lynn yeah to you what are things that you find i guess so unique about sean's voice and rhythm as a storyteller when you look at frank and penelope as a complete piece of work
3: i think what he what he just said is 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 you are so engaged with these two personalities, the the problems of these two characters who come together on this road trip they end up taking from totally different parts of of humanity in a way. And yet they evoke, they, they end up becoming one with each other in order to help each other from the, the, the bad places that they've lived most of their lives. So it is, again, the human aspect is becomes the horror of it all because you're hoping you hope for them to be able to solve whatever is eating them alive, basically, and ends up almost really eating them alive when they <laughs> as they enter this journey that they're taking. So it's kind of actually I, I just thought of that. It's kind of a, a metaphor for what's really happening to them inside. And um, and the love story, you know, that they really and the two actors, um, Kaylee Cowan and and Billy Budenich is their two names. And they um, I think Billy, it was his first film. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And he and and I remember when I came on set. They said, oh, he has such a James Dean quality. And, you know, part of me is going, yeah, right, Okay, right, <laughs> you're not going to find anybody with a James Dean quality. And there was something almost that he had even extra, which was he did have that sort of very handsome kind of brooding mystique. But he also was very vulnerable in a different kind of way than, than, you, than you expected and very sweet. There was a sweetness to him. And that kind of draws her and she becomes the powerhouse, really. You feel like she's really guiding him on this journey to to free himself from, you know, from disaster in his life. I I think that, you know, that they it's again, the human aspect of their relationship that makes it so so horrifying finally for oh. for the audience
2: i love that you use the word mystique because that exactly sums up this entire journey there's a mystique to the whole thing and all of the characters and this rich world that you've all built with this and before we get i know leo you want to uh, ask uh, tons of questions about kaylee and um billy budenich but first just to get into the actual creation of the story itself so Sean, what led you down the path to finding this story? What were you looking for in particular? How did you come across this and, and start into it?
0: You know, I did, I did a couple of films with a producer named Scott Dolezal. Um, And both of those films, I, I rewrote my character completely, which... which you know, when they came to me with the films, I, I, I asked if I could. I, I, I didn't do it in a malicious way or a disrespectful way. I said, I'll be happy to if I could rewrite this character. He enjoyed what I did. So then he came, came to me. And after seeing me on the set, he said, I have, I have this story. Do you have any interest in directing it? And I read it and I said, I, I, I'd love to if you'll let me rewrite it. And he and Alan Gilmer and Will, William Shockley and Tom Brady, they said, absolutely, rewrite it. So crazy enough. So John Thaddeus had, had, had a great story. And so we, we had already when, when he pitched this to me, he said, I think I have a great place to shoot it. Um, he goes, you can rewrite it, but can it, it, it'll still be in the desert. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, but I, I'll, I'll, the desert theme. So he goes, can we go on a location scout? We went on a location scout and I brought my laptop and I wrote the first 38 pages on the location scout and I finished it the week after we got home, and uh, so every location. So the super B, I saw the super B, I wrote it in uh, the cistern, I saw that, I wrote that in. Every everything that you see there was was a, 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 a little impulse and an idea, and that's how the story formed. And I, I knew I knew once I had the script complete, I wanted. I wanted a very dated feel. Uh, one of my favorite films that, that, that is a kind of a chase film is a uh, Badlands. Mm. Oh um, yeah. yeah. You know, a, a, a fellow Texan and a, and a cinematic God. So I wanted that kind of look and that feeling, what that film made me feel. I didn't want to steal anything artistically, but I wanted the viewer to have that odd disheveled, disconcerting feeling. And the, uh, so, so I, I wanted to make them very dated. So I told who uh, who is our casting director, an amazing casting director, nine times out of ten casting directors are just going to feed you names to, to, to get the film off the ground. I told her, I said, really, I want the best audition. I want the best person for this role, the best. And I, I said, I, I, I really want I want an angelic Audrey Hepburn with a violently sexual Marilyn Monroe. That's what I want for my Penelope. For my Frank, I want a cerebral, I, I, I want a, a dangerous James Dean and a, and a cerebral Montgomery Clift. And crazily enough, you told me if I'm wrong, that's who she found. When she called me on the phone and she goes, I'm sending you a tape, I want you to look at this tape. And it was Kaylee's tape. And there was a magic there. Now, now I, I, I'd seen a ton of, of names and, and amazing auditions, but Kaylee had something so unique and almost it was just untangible. And people talk about this X Factor crap all day long, but, but you know, there's something magical when you see it and you feel it. Mm-hmm. And she had that. And then three weeks later, she said, I, I, I think I found uh, your Montgomery Cliff James Dean guy. I said, I, just like Lynn. I'm like, of course you did. And I watched Billy's audition. And she's right. They both have this magical innocence of, 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 of a bygone era, yeah. but a, but a, but a through line of just danger. And, you know, you know, as if they're both, you know, trying to escape their own metaphorical bondage and they meet somewhere in the middle. And, and so that casting process, I, I, I hats off to you because she delivered five star.
2: Did you know the rhythm and the cadence and the tonality of their voices before they ended up sending audition tapes in was, was it based on what they brought to it? Or did you have that in your head to begin with? Did you know how this movie kind of sounded and felt like,
0: you know, I, you know, I, like, like I say, I, I don't know if you become a director just because you direct, directed one movie, you know, so I'm not going to speak from a director. I'm going to speak from more of an actor and somebody that loves movies, you know, and I know when I write, my, my whole writing style, it, 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 it flies in the face of everybody that'll tell you how to write. And they're far better writers than me. But, you know, they do an outline. They do bullet points. I write from the guise of wouldn't it be cool if. And I write that shit. Then the next line, wouldn't it be cool? And I write it and I write from beginning. To end. There's no outline. There's no nothing. I just you know, my, my granddaddy was the best storyteller I've ever met in my life. Uh, he, he reminded me a lot of Mark Twain and I'm certainly not cut from that cloth, but I've heard good storytelling before, you know, from the mouth to the ear. And so I, I probably don't do it correctly. And my writing on the page would probably elicit sharp criticism, but I know what moves me. And, and although I write a character and I think I know what it sounds like, I, I can't even begin to tell you that I told Kaylee how to play it or Billy how to play it or what to do with their voice. They interpreted it and they did it. It was was, was exactly like their audition. When, when, When I got them on the set, I said, okay, here's your direction. What you did in the audition, don't change a fucking thing.
3: <laughs> That's the best. The scariest thing for an actor to hear. Right. By the way, as you want to know too, uh, what did I do yeah, with right, I just, exactly. we going to play that back
2: for me. <laughs> Leo, Leo, jump in with your question, man.
3: Yeah,
1: the writing, Sean, and this is fantastic, Beautiful. especially Katie. She fantastic. delivers her lines with, uh, with a mix of innocence and sex appeal and with some dark humor. What inspired her character lines and Delivery?
0: Well, I... I mean, look, you know, at at, at our core, you know, sex is what propagates the species. It's 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 why most people get up in the morning. It's, uh, you know, probably the most important decision you'll ever make as a man and a woman is who you procreate with. You know, outside of that, everything else pales by comparison. Um, So that dance coming to that agreement is a mixture of. Truths, falsehoods, deep seated secrets, and incentives. And so that was a dance that uh, I wanted them to play throughout until the curtain dropped and you realize you're talking to someone that if you lose them, you'll be devastated. And that changes the cadence of your speech, that changes the way that you word sentences. There's an authenticity and an honesty there that changes you. And i put it to you this way. You know, when you ask a kid, what uh, what's a common game that kids play? Oh, my God, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? And kids are like, I'm going to be the fastest man on the earth. I want to be able to fly. You know, I want to be able to breathe fire. Really, the, the, the biggest superpower any mortal could possess would be that of influence. And so you take the biggest superpower, superhero known to man. Well, there's a woman that can put that man to the, to his knees. And, uh, Kaylee has that tool and she utilizes it. And she thinks she's sheathed that, that sword lo and behold, towards the end, she has to pull it out one final time. And I don't care how many guns you have. Troy has fallen. You know the threat of a beautiful woman and Kaylee, right. Kaylee would take Troy 10 times over. <laughs> that's yes. a, that's yes. for sure.
2: Yes. I, I want to talk about uh, getting into the writing a bit more, too, and I want to get Lynn's perspective on this as well. So, Sean, in your novel that you wrote, Jane Two, you demonstrated such a compelling approach to not only telling a story and imbuing it with emotion and power but showcasing a whimsy and a beauty in the words you choose to paint that journey with. And you do it in this film. The two spark a remarkable alchemy. Lynn, you know, your scene in particular with Donna Derrico has has that poetry in it back and forth. How does that make you feel when you're in the middle of a tennis match with dialogue like that?
3: You know, when I read the as I read the script, and, I, and I'll tell this to Sean too, my take on the character was very different than mm-hmm. than what is in the story. And it's very interesting to hear, I mean, because i'm I, I only had the one scene, and I feel there's a setup there. It's the first time you see anyone at the table of truth. And I saw it basically, As a woman who was a drunk, I mean, this and we never the thing that was hard for me is I never really had to have got to have the full conversation with Sean because he was a little busy, you know, with with. I mean, he had so much going on and literally the logistics of coming to Texas and being there for a very short time and trying to find time to really discuss things. It was very minimal. And so um, I, you know, I kind of went with my perspective. Which and which was basically that this woman is a drunk and she's kind of a liar and she's kind of walked out on her kids and she doesn't even know what she did wrong in life. That that it was a very and the whole thing about the diamonds, I mean, I I really I still I still feel this sort of um incomplete, <laughs> incomplete inside because I, I had such I worked on all by myself, you know, where you're in a little vacuum and you go, Oh my god, I, you know, I discovered the truth and I see what's going on here and I know what's going on. Well. Little did I know at the time, too, that Sean had a very different perspective on what he wanted that centerpiece to hold to to bring, to, to, you know, to sort of bookend or not actually bookend, but be the be the um, the, the, the diamond part of the expression in the middle of the beginning, the, the beginning part of the story and then how the story unfolds, that she was a real that this woman was a real avaricious You know, give me the give me the goods, baby. And she walks out on her kids and she doesn't really give a shit. She doesn't even think she did anything wrong. I mean, I can sort of get into it as I talk about It's like, you know, it's just like I feel like she was one of these women that gets real close to you and she talks and you can smell (laughs) her breath. yeah, Yeah. You know, and she and. It was and Sean had this is I'm going to I hope you're OK with this, Sean, but I'm going to go to the day which was very difficult because he had a lot of big problems happening that day with, you know, that I didn't even know about. I mean, all I know, all I know about is me. I mean, what, you know, unfortunately, you know, I've become very short sighted, especially when you're you know, when you've drawn a character that you have one real opportunity to project everything you've been dreaming about now for a couple months. So. Um, I started play. I had and I had a great idea, I thought, at the beginning of the scene, um, before Donna's character walks in. I kind of wanted her. I had um, props. I never even told you this, Sean. Props made me this beautiful little compact with rhinestone diamonds all over it. And I kind of wanted to be sitting there at the table, drunk as a skunk and smiling. Was that, you know, like making little hi, you know, <laughs> oh. you know, Miss Sexy. And yeah. she's not. She's a slobbering <laughs> drunk. And that, um, and that—that was the reason that they (laughs) kill me—is because they give me an opportunity to tell the truth, and I don't. So that was that was from I never got to tell you this, Ah. Sean. So this is this probably brand news to you. And so, and that when I walk out, it's like you know what, basically, you know, fuck you, but don't forget the diamonds. Always keep the diamonds. And um, and Sean wanted something very different, which actually works. Be- probably better it does probably work better but i didn't know that <laughs> you know, at the time. so so i remember sitting down and i'm real. this is really cathartic for me right now <laughs> and i had i had my little compact and i was all ready to start and Sean said okay i want you to start with your hand shaking around the thing of the glass and i'm going i said what <laughs> he said, i want you to you know to have your hand and going and a part of me was like then i got very resentful because i thought don't you tell me what to do sure sure <laughs> sure <laughs> No, because you haven't even seen my compact yet. <laughs> you, you haven't got to see, this is a real, this is actually good information as <laughs> you being a new director. Right. I'm going like, what the right. fuck? I, I got my compact. I, they spent like a couple hours putting it together at the compact. And I have this great kind of opening of getting to see who this woman is. And I'm doing this thing with my hand. Now, the best thing I did was bring those shoes. Where are my shoes? I brought Oh, you brought them? Were they your actual I, shoes? Oh, Wait minute, where she, I, I don't. I mean, here they are. So, I know this is not going to be in the interview because it's all it's all. Ooh, all look over. at that! But I brought these, thinking this. Yeah. <laughs> this was her, and she was in a little dress from uh, from Urban Outfitters, <laughs> you know, with her right, with her, but with her diamonds, and so I had to give up my ego, which was very difficult. And I remember, you know, and I, I was, I was slightly rude to Sean and I actually apologized to you for that at this moment. Cause I was a little bit, cause I went, you want to play the part? <laughs> oh, <laughs> but you
2: know what? That's, that's part of the tennis match. I would assume about that.
3: I, I swear to god I never had any intention of telling you this today. <laughs> but you brought out the truth in me goddamn it. Okay, so 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 I, I was really I was a real shit. You know, but I did, but then I, you know, I said to myself and then I even think I said it to Sean. You know, I, you're my director and you you know, you hired me, you hired me and I have to do what my director asked me to do. So, I made the transition. He wanted her to be very sympathetic. And I thought, you know, and it just was it was not at all the way I had seen it. If I had had time to process it and think about it, I wouldn't. It would have all I would have understood it better. Yeah, yeah. But I had been li- living in this in this vacuum of, of character for, you know, for several weeks and had honed it and gone through it and made little ideas. And I was going to, you know, I did all the work that we do as actors. And um, but ultimately. I was so upset that it really worked hundred <laughs> percent.
2: <laughs> well, I would imagine there's some of that would also spill into your performance at that point. Well, that's too. What right? I mean, yeah. I, mean yeah. I finally,
3: I finally got probably a phenomenal performance. I, you know, that I, that actually I saw the film and I was, ex, I was extremely happy with it. And I feel, and I understand how it fit into his concept of this creation of this, this woman who did. And I, and the way I kind of walk out, gave me enough of that, like, you know, well, goodbye. You know, I don't um, I did have one. we did have one scene also with um, with Adana that we didn't hear the dialogue. They just had me walking. It's sort of in the, a little a little short moment when you see me walk kind of giddy. And with those shoes on the gravel was awesome. And I remember I said to her, it's too bad I'm not gay because I would love to squeeze your tip. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in there, but it's okay because I because I at least got to say it. And I, I mean, so this is all about the joy of acting for me, and also the joy of problem solving, and also the joy of participating in in finally someone else's vision, which is which in this case, you know, I didn't I I really don't know you, and you are remarkable, Sean. What? You are, re- you no, know, I mean, listening to you today, I go, holy shit, you are, you're brilliant. You know, you're brilliant in your observations, you're brilliant in your, in your concepts, you're brilliant in your, in your, um, composed composition. And I, I almost wish, you know, I guess I didn't do my homework in a weird way. I did the wrong homework.
0: No, you, <laughs> you, did your homework. you did your homework. It's, it's, and, and I, I certainly appreciate the kind words. <laughs> You know to, to to give a little context um on any small budget film you know i have to do my homework and come to the set knowing already with what you want so we had already set up the camera to do a close up on the rim of the glass right, where right. <laughs> so before i even see the face i know this person is really really nervous and, and it works so yes and baggage and then when lynn came on she wanted it to be on her face and we, we simply didn't have the time so um uh, I, I mean I wish we had multi-million dollars to shoot it <laughs> but,
3: well, but- I, you know it's true ultimately and I figured that out and I thought what do you mean you got the? you know because then I thought what do you mean you got the camera set up? you know I'm already, you know, I thought wait a minute Libby how do you know what I'm gonna do or what I want to do and I thought it's not about how well I'm gonna do it or what I'm gonna want to do it's about how he wants to do it and I'm gonna do what he tells me I'm supposed to do because that's also part of of again you know my job is to fulfill your image and your and and we had enough there was enough moments there i mean i really love the i love my own performance yes yeah and it's and also that it's right you know within the context of the entire film it, you know again if we had lots of time and money we could have done it both ways You know, let's just do it this way. Let's take 10 minutes, reset the camera. Let's try something different. But you had so much you were doing so incredibly. The pressure was enormous. I mean, I know it was I know it was I could feel it. I could feel it from you and and, and everybody around because it's you have limited resources to get something done now. We didn't have a week to do this. We had one one afternoon or morning, whatever it was. Just one other last thing. I hope you I I really had no intention of ever sort of revealing my my bad behavior <laughs> so but anyway now you know it beautiful and brilliant and the final performance is perfect I could ask for nothing okay then we're all that we're good and I got to express what I wanted to tell you there you about go about I feel the like the therapy session this is
2: great this is great <laughs> thank you okay yeah. <laughs> but Sean and, and talking about the po- the poetry in, in this film in that scene in particular as well but there's also lines like you know it's a secret that's never told that offers the most extraordinary of beautiful I mean, the that- it's it's so beautiful where did that where does that come from for you what were you were inspired by anything in particular is it just that's the kind of voice that's inside you when you write sean what what is it do you find
0: you know somebody far smarter than me once said you know uh an artist can't discuss his art any more than a plant can discuss horticulture and and I, i i certainly don't you know, for for me to even entertain that would would be accepting that what you said is correct, that it is brilliant or something, and and I just know that I I, I like to write a certain way. And I, first of all, I'm blown away that that that, uh, that you read my book. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. So you probably have a little insight into you know my storytelling teacher who was my granddaddy, and he was a big user. I mean, I was like I was a child the first time I really understood. The majority of what left his lips was just covered in metaphor, so that that's that's really a heavy tool, if I be an understatement, for my storytelling. That's one of the lines, you know, it's the secret that's never told that offers so much extraordinary suspense. A lot of times, I had to figure out what my granddaddy was talking about, and I ended up loving that when I found out it even meant more to me. So it it kind of became a certain way that I speak. And a certain way that my favorite people speak, I feel it's it's closer to the heart than actually a Google Maps directing you to the heart.
3: Um, and your I, characters I, have such individual voices. I mean, it's not just your—you know—that's what's so fascinating about your writing, too, Sean. You know, the way Ophelia speaks, there is a there's a cadence and and a and a use of words that's that's really hers. And I felt that about Kaylee's care. I felt that about Pen- Penelope and Frank. I mean, it really is—it's—it is masterful writing. It really is. I I, I, I
1: certainly appreciate it. I do. The Boo Crew will be right back. Jill Johnson is babysitting the children of a young doctor and his wife. They've told her where they'll be, when they'll be home. Everything she has to know. Except what to do. When a stranger calls. Hello? Why haven't you checked the children? Who is this? What do you want? Your blood. When a stranger calls. This is Sergeant Sacker. We've traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. Just to get out of that house. When a stranger calls, every babysitter's nightmare becomes real. From Columbia Pictures. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. <laughs> Yeah, the filming location in Texas is a character of a, in of itself. I mean, the dirtiness, the grittiness of the rundown towns, it lends itself beautifully to the plot once it's unraveled. You know, once we figure out what's going on. But uh, talk about the filming location and the challenges of filming there.
3: The ghost
0: town, subdivided by category and then further subdivided by alphanumerics. <laughs>
1: um,
0: the first fifty <laughs> spots will be taken up by the weather. It's about one hundred and ten degrees. Um, we had. We had crew members threatened to go down with uh, symptoms of heat stroke. Wow. Uh, there was a billowing cumulonimbus thunderclouds that would creep in and shut down production because all our electricity came off a generator. So, uh, uh, I, I mean, it, it was it was probably the most difficult scenario I, in, in my 30 years in the film business I've, I've ever shot in. Um, you know, some of the some of the, the places that we had to drive the camera truck over huge rocks to get up to this this compound that was deserted and desolate and burned down 15 times. And it's just, uh, having said that, it makes for an amazing palette if, if, at canvas to paint on. I mean, some of, the, some of the stuff that we got to point a camera at, you know, $50 million in production value, can't can't buy that. So it, it, it was incredibly taxing. We we had a cooling tent. We had uh, cooling vans. We had to cycle crew members to keep them fresh and you know uh, you know uh, keep their body temperature you know to where they could keep operating. It, 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 it was taxing to say the least. And you know the whole time uh, my, my leads are, are trying to do scenes and act like they're not ringing wet with sweat. Yeah. So I mean it was just uh, <laughs> right. it was. Crazy. But, but, you know, I mean I, I've been doing it thirty years. I've been in the same predicament. But uh, it, it, it was incredibly difficult physically mentally you know when you're going on 12 hours and you've been at 110 degree heat you've been dehydrated rehydrated dehydrated rehydrated it's it, it's it's difficult to, to maintain focus but uh we we pulled it together in the end and everybody everybody stayed one cohesive tribe and i'm, I'm ecstatic with uh with what we ended up with
2: oh yeah and in the midst of all that yeah. sean you treat the audience. With such a unique perspective and eye with the personality of the camera, right? Stunning shot after stunning shot. The care and detail is palpable, my friend. And that even that opening shot of the Dodge muscle car tight on the spinning tire and the horizon with the kind of waves of the road is just glorious eye candy talk about that scene in particular just grabbing that like this the, the actual execution of grabbing that car with the, with the, the close-up on the tire rolling
0: well i mean i don't know i mean this will date me but back in uh, when i was a child back in the 70s you could get a well if if if, if you had extra money you, you you a lot of my friends at the, and i had a couple of these packs too you get a piece of gum but they came with these cards oh yeah Cartoon drawings of muscle cars with big exhaust pipes and flames shooting out, and one big dude yeah. driving it. Man, my, my, my dream cars are muscle cars. So I'll, when we were on this location scout, and I saw a '68 Coronet Super Bee, get the fuck out of here! If you think I'm right like <laughs> about that, are you kidding? Me? I was like, you, you, this is you're joking, right? We go to location scout, and there's a pristine '68 Super Bee. It was just there. That's the car they're driving wow,
1: I wow. To the guy I said
0: find me the owner i said any way we could put this in a movie and you would be the owner of a car that is in a film and he said yes and uh cut to it it stopped running a couple times we had, we had to repair the car but i mean you know I, I wanted to embrace that car like the piece of art that it was yeah. for example when kellen kevin Dillon pulls the car over And he walks up to the side of the car and said, do me a favor. Grab the ass of that car as if it is the supermodel of supermodels. (laughs) He got out and he clocks it and he gives it a little squeeze. Then he strokes his hand down the line. And I'm like... (laughs) wrap fold it up that's we got so
2: it. great <laughs> well how did so uh, what about shooting the car like the importance of shooting the car and having it look like you want it to on screen what do you do are you mounting cameras to it how do you capture it in the way that gives it that reverence
0: all, all of the above i mean i mean i had uh, gopros on the fender i clamped gopros on the on the bonnet uh, I clamped them everywhere. I had a drone to do driving shots where I'm behind the car, coming over the car. I, 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 I mean, to me, that car is a piece of art. But the fact that my lead character fell in love with that car tells us 17 paragraphs about who he is. And that saved me writing. Anytime you give me the opportunity to show me something that somebody loves, that saves me from having to write a description. And that car did it to me. So I wanted to return the favor and really show every line that that car came out of the womb. And I, I, that, that, that car is, is, it's an icon of the seventies. It personifies American muscle.
2: And it's a real world shift too, right? Like when, when they're off on their journey, we're in a different world. And I love, love one of my favorite shots in the movie is that rotating shot. When we get to the city. Yeah. Fucking beautiful, man. It was so, so beautiful. And there's one shot one shot I want to talk about in particular, and this might seem like a stupid thing, but I noticed it right off the bat, is obviously that liquor bottle right over the title card. That kind of, you know, it, it wobbles a little and then falls over just at the exact right time. Was that something you executed or a happy accident?
0: Uh, I actually wrote that into a script. No way! The story opens on a liquor bottle. And, and the sound of wind and when it blows, when it blows the liquor bottle over, it reveals the story. So the story was being blocked by the residue of human waste and intoxication. And I know that sounds like ornate writers speak, but but that 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 that, that was in that's the first five lines of the script.
2: That's beautiful, man. And what about what about that title card sequence against the wall of the club? I, I've never seen anything like it. Where'd you come up with that idea?
0: You know, I I mean, as again, that's uh, maybe page four of the script. I I was was in the location scouting van and whenever he walks down that wall, it's the music. So I I also wrote, wrote, oddly enough, every musical piece that I chose for this film, Mm. something that I wrote it to and I wrote it into the script. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you it's one of the gift of all gifts that we actually got to use these songs. Because I, I, I campaigned from the word go to take a portion of the budget to lock these pieces of music in. So we didn't get to the end and then have to go, oh, well, now it's extra for music. I wanted to budget that into the, into the piecing together of this movie. And so the song pulls him into it. He's filling his tank up with gas. And the song, just entry, draws him like a rope into this building. And he walks down the side of the building and it's just a collage of, of bills and posters that have been plastered over one poster of another and remnants of letters here that oddly enough, he stops and he sees that the leftover text spells out Frank and Penelope. And he keeps walking. And that's page four of the script. I just I, I just thought of it again, wouldn't it be cool if, yeah. you know, so fantastic. cool. That's
3: fantastic.
0: I, I thought it would be
2: cool. So, and, and yeah, <laughs> you mentioned the musical, uh, like, I love that cigarettes after sex song that you use brilliant and just That's, the score yeah. in itself, the score in itself, there's um sort of like an acoustic guitar fingerpicked motif that goes over top of some of the craziest, most chaotic scenes. And it adds so much polarity and makes you feel, it makes your stomach drop. It makes you feel unsettled. What was your kind of goal with that? And what were those conversations like to inject that into it?
0: I'll tell you exactly. Here, here, here's a good story. So Donna Derrico, uh, Baywatch, she threw an audition at me and I was blown away. I said, you got to look at this girl. Then I re- recognized the name. I thought, where do I know this name? Donna Derico, Where? Then I realized she's from in the audition scary and amazing we cast her <laughs> when it came time to post-production um you know my, my previous film born a champion I, I had composers on that and so i was most likely gonna go with the composer and donna said you know can i throw something out there my, my son happens to be a composer truth be told and i've told donna this i'm on the phone and i'm going oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> how can i have- Am I going to have to, of course, your son's a composer, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. I told her, I said, of course. I said, I'll, I'll yeah, have him send me his, his demo. And him and his partner, Jared, Ryan and Jared, they sent me a demo. And it was impressive. I communicated with them and I liked their, their, their mindset. Then I gave them something. And to to get to that musical piece you're talking about, one of my favorite compositions in all of cinema history is an original piece. Oddly enough, it's called Gassenhauer, and it was used in the film Badlands. It was lifted. I don't know if that's the right term or it was very, very closely emulated by the great Hans Zimmer for True Romance. Mm. And, and, and that's yeah. the, the theme for true romance, but its original piece is in Badlands. Go back and look at it. It's called Gassenhauer. I gave them the Gassenhauer piece. I said, just like me for Badlands, I said, I don't want this music, but I want that feeling. Give me that feeling. Every time that piece of music in True Romance comes on, ding, 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 ding,
3: ding, 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 ding.
0: You, you, I, 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 and I said give me that give me that go somewhere and give me that I said I love xylophone I love unique sounds if you want to get a child's toy a child's piano bring me something like that and truth be told there was a there was a number of misses but they were young and they were hungry and they got there and you tell me it, it it elicits the same yep. response oh, and, yeah. and yeah. I first introduce it during the escape from uh, when they climbed back in the car. And I think when, when they presented me with that, I was like, wow, with a double sided wow, rinsed down with a couple wow. <laughs> and, and I, I mean, I'll tell you, Jared and Ryan, you know, for, for, this is the first film I've ever done. I, I, I certainly hope I get an opportunity to do a second one, but who knows? But they are on my full time
2: list. Oh, that's wonderful. It's Ryan
0: and Jared on every film, unless they start. Chopping up bodies and putting them in a the freezer and doing something wacky. They would be, <laughs> I mean, these, these guys, I think, slaughtered the, the composition. And I know, I know I can be a pain in the ass and I and I come with uh, something that I really, really want. But man, they delivered it on all notes and areas and scenes. I'm not kidding. I'm not blowing smoke. And oddly enough, it came to me as if, you know, can you check out my son? And I thought, oh, my God, Look,
2: they were a gift. Thank goodness. Phenomenal. Oh, man. Fantastic. Such a unique part of the film. Lynn, yeah. does does yeah. The music ever play a part in you finding characters? Do you use playlists and all that kind of stuff to get into and find a character?
3: Not, I actually don't. I I live in a lot of silence, even at home. I mean, I don't, which is, I'm almost embarrassed to admit that because it was, what kind of music do you like? And, and I... I mean, I kind of like all kinds of music. You know, I like something that makes me feel something, obviously, and I never know what that's going to be. But when I'm working on something, um, this is going to sound corny, but I sort of let my own rhythm try and find something from the dialogue and from the words and from the ideas I'm reading. So at best, I'm creating hopefully a music with the character and and a rhythm with the character and, a, and even body You know, kind of my but this comes out of my own my own head. I um, this is kind of I was married for a long time and my ex-husband took all the music when, when he, when we got divorced, he took, we had, it was CDs at the time, you know, cause we didn't have the phones and all that shit, <laughs> but he took like just a giant just case of all the music we, we used to listen to. Cause he was kind of in charge of the music. I do the cooking, he would put on the music, you know, it was that kind of a relationship. And so I didn't really know that much. I mean, I, I'm a sixties girl. I mean, that's how old I am. <laughs> so, you know, I've got a lot of, um, I mean, and, and that music was, you know, Janice Joplin is still in for me. Don't tell, don't tell me anybody else can sound like her because they just can't. You're you know? right. You're right. So I, yeah, I sort yeah, of live in, yeah. in that world, you know, which is which was rock and roll. And um, but but to go back to the so when when all the music was taken out of the house, I never purchased. I, I remember I remember actually sitting in my living room and recognizing the quiet because he always had music on and I liked it I like silence because that's how I think and I also talk out loud all the time it's embarrassing if anyone ever heard me they would put me in an institution (laughs) I honestly mean and when I'm working on something I mean that's how I that's how I work sometimes I'll read it out loud And just to hear the words, and also my son is also a writer and we're doing, we're going to try and do this new thing where I'm going to narrate his short stories.
2: Oh, wow. That's wonderful.
3: Which is so exciting to me. And the way I found it was I was reading them, like I read a script and often I find myself starting to read it all out loud and start to play all the characters. And then I hear it. I'm not a great reader. I think I, I'm not a great reader. I think I, when I was little, they put me in the slow group. It didn't didn't it, didn't it didn't help me read any better. Let me put it that way. It's like I'm a group two. You know, they're saying, "What group are you in?" I'm a group two, so I never got to group one. Well,
2: and look <laughs> at you now. <laughs> so, yeah, but, right. Well, except that it's
3: not so much, It's yeah. the sound. It's almost the sound of my own voice. I mean, which I I I find, I, and I find myself moving to it. So I'm a very kind of oddly visceral. Study. I mean, the way I I approach, I don't ever know. People say, well, how do you begin to work on a role? I have no idea. I never know anything. I know nothing. And I always start like knowing nothing. And if I, if I allow myself to not clutter up things with other things, I'm forced to recognize my own story. Anyway, but that story about her son, I mean, I, can't, I already think because my son's also a musician and we tried to we put some of his and what a, you've made these boys, you've changed their lives. 100%. I mean, 10 bazillion percent. And it's great to know they're talented, but to have the opportunity is so exciting to someone to give you that opportunity. So and I'm always happy to have the opportunity, you know, and again, um, I love music. I love and I sometimes go, why don't I turn music on? But um, anyway, you know, and I am listen, I hope I'm still evolving as as old as I am. And as long as I've been doing this, I want to still keep learning new ideas and tricks that stimulate me, you know, that make me. I I have to move. I'm very I realize that there's a dancer in me for sure. I never really was a dancer, but my body is a very important part of the way I express myself, even as a character, like even with Ophelia. I remember because the shoes, the shoes are a big deal for me. What I, I shoes in a role are very important. And seriously, when I put those on, it sort of gave me this almost uh, what's the word kind of grow like scarecrow kind of feel. And I was wearing this little off the shoulder dress with little things. And there was something so incongruous about that, about sort of feeling kind of like, like, I'm like this when I'm walking, trying to act like I'm got it together. But it all fit. It, it all influences each other. Anyway, I'm digressing a little bit. But um, I I guess the real answer is I try and create my own music first. And then if something else real music comes in, you know that i try and let that affect what i've already created yeah, as well yeah.
2: oh it's beautiful beautiful yeah and i would say every performance i've ever seen you do and is an incredibly musical and by all means yeah. you continue to evolve and i mean just look yes. at look at what you've done with the insidious franchise and everything like that i mean blowing everybody yeah. away all over again and changing the thank rules you. uh from scratch which is you know you're amazing you're amazing
3: oh thank you so much i
2: no, before I know we've gone over yeah. time. If you guys are cool with one or two more questions, you guys
3: okay? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm having I'm so and I'm so happy. Sean, you really you are incredible. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to hear you. I really am. I, I was so frustrated by that that I that I really didn't have a chance to. So this for me serves a, a greater purpose oh, too. Well, that's you good. are really I mean, you are truly extraordinary. I know your work as an actor, but your mind is so fantastic and beautiful. So thank you for introducing yourself to me. To me so thank
0: you. Thank you. And, and and thank you for being in the film. You were you're amazing and I, oh. I can't wait for
3: people to see it. I can't either. I mean I love this movie. By boy, let me just put that on for record. I love, because you know, people say, well, here it is, you know, and you go, you all right, here I gotta watch it. <laughs> you know. And I was here I was in my, you know, my computer. And I was laughing and crying and and rooting and cheering and you know, it made me I, I felt very physical watching the film. And now I understand why. I mean, when I now that I know more about you and your process, too. They translated that for you. And they really even made them even better actors. Well, I, than I, I appreciate you. it. Yeah, but so it's, anyway. tr- it's okay. true.
2: You get you get hypnotized yes. by you, you do yeah. you get hypnotized by this world. It's, that you created, it's really, really yeah. great. And uh, I wanted just to just I, I, there's one scene I had it because, you know, there's so many surprises we want the viewers to be able to go in and, and discover for themselves as part of the joy of this experience. But there is uh, just the scene that we first get to see Kevin Dillon kind of square off that tennis match with him and Kaylee and Billy, when he pulls them over for the first time, it's a very physical performance on behalf of all three. They're all doing different things. She's kind of leaning out the car. He's playing this dance with her. Tell us about building that scene. Is that one uninterrupted take that we finally see what went into that?
0: You know, obviously we, we, we we edited that scene together with different angles, but they did it top to bottom. <clears throat> and, you know, you know, I, I, I've been in this business for 30 years and, you know, it, it seems like I, I got into this industry thinking that, you know, I did theater at University of St. Thomas and I got into this industry thinking that everybody would show up for a movie and be off book. And then, and then I saw, then I, then I would see people with their script, you know, that they, they you'd come in for blocking and everybody would come in with their script. And I was thinking... That's just in case they forget it. Surely they know the scene by now. Then a couple of years later, they add sides, and let will tell you, they, everybody shows up with sides. I mean, to me, that's anathema to my values. I don't understand that. I don't get it. If you show up on the day and you're reading the lines and you, you're not off book, shame on you. I, if I'm truth be told, I don't think you deserve a place. I don't think you should be paid for your job if, if you don't know the lines before you wake up in the morning to shoot that scene. So we had, we had rehearsal and everybody was off book for everything. Like nobody's walking around my sets with with sides. It's, uh, and that's not, that's that's something that I hold myself to as well. You'll never catch me with sides on a movie set because I know the scenes, because I've done my homework. I may, the way I've designed it in my head to perform, it may be incorrect. Maybe the director shears me in a different direction, but the words are never going to be the issue. The interpretation of the words may be. I'll give him that. But so, yeah, everybody was off book. So everybody had a completely different goal in mind with that scene. Um, you know, the sheriff is I'm bored. I'm out in this man, a, a classic muscle car. I'm, I'm pulling that baby over. <laughs> uh, Frank is like, I just shot somebody. Uh, you know, they, they, they probably called the cops. They know exactly who we are. Kaylee is trying to diffuse it with a flirtation and it's all in the lap of Billy and changing places in the car. And I thought I thought the I thought the way that they did it. You know, and again, because we did rehearsal, we just shot up. I, we talked about it for a minute and then we shot it. And there was very, very little direction or change this. They, they just they just did it. They did it and, and and we shot it from multiple angles, but there wasn't a lot of, okay, here, we got to get this way or we, the, it wasn't that at all. I mean, they, they knew exactly what they were doing and I thought that they absolutely crushed it. We I, Basically, I turned the
2: cameras on and I watched. <sighs> Magic, wow. dude. Matt, wow. it's probably one of our yeah. favorite scenes. As we wrap this yeah. up, Leo, you have another question, man. One more question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Sean, looking back at these characters you've written and uh, brought to life on the in this film, if you could play any one of them other than your role, who would you like to play?
0: Oh, man. You know, I, I got to be honest. You know, now that, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had a career for a while, you know, uh, obviously when you're younger, you're the Franks. Man, I've really, really fallen in love with playing the bad guy.
3: And- <laughs> you're an awesome <laughs>
2: bad guy, dude. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <Thank> you, <bro. laughs>
3: i mean he's
0: so, a nice bad guy i would I, I relish that you know first time out of the gate as a director um you know it'd have been a little for me to swap sides that uh that frequently but uh sheck i think sheck has that nicely handled
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> now i gotta say yeah. at the end of the film and i've never seen anything written so poignant from a filmmaker before to his cast. But you say to my dear cast and crew, thank you for holding my hand. Should yours ever reach for mine, you will find it waiting. Beautifully said, man. Talk about the just the bond and respect that you have for your team that helped turn this into a real masterpiece to be proud of.
0: Well, the, the, the first day on set, before we shot our first shot, which oddly enough, uh, that was the first scene. The, the Kevin and the sheriff, pulling the car over. I called everybody over and I said, you know, every one of you is my superior in at least one way. You're better than me. That's why you're here. The, the 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 DP, AJ Raytano, is the best in his field. He's better than me at lighting. The camera operator is better than me. They're all better than me. And they're far better than me. So please hold my hand on this. I have something to learn from each and every one of you. And if you do, I promise you, you will find me holding yours back. If you need something from me, let's all keep the grasp, the entire length of the shoot, And uh, I won't let go. I promise you. And not a single one of them did. And so that, 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 that's a very personal letter speaking to something very specific. And again, it's a metaphor for something far larger. But I asked them for a favor and they delivered it. And, and I, and I mean it in return. If their hand ever reaches out, they'll find mine waiting because they were there for me. It was my first time out of the gate. Nobody has respect an actor. Please, an actor directing, fuck out of here. Um, You know, let let me tell you something. When I wrote the book, everybody's like, "Oh my god, an actor wrote a book. How cute!" You know, it's it's. I get it. You know, there's a hurdle to overcome, and so I know asking them to listen to to me on something that I that I don't have a history of doing is a big ask. So that final little sentence to them in the credits is about something specific. I asked them to hold my hand and they did. And they will always find mine waiting should they reach out because they were there for me.
2: Now, Lynn, is that something, is that something unique you find to a director who has the experience of doing what it is that you do? And and is a perspective that only someone who has been in both those shoes can translate.
3: I, uh, I feel it's a team sport. You know, and it's really I don't I feel kind of like Sean. I feel like I don't know anything other than, you know, what what I've d- tried to develop for this character. It's one thing, too, if you're if you're going through an entire storyline, you know, for weeks with another with with other people. There's something else that happens during that of trust and of feeling of contribution that I think the the roles change often. Sometimes the director will. And look at us, you know, for an answer and as much as we look to them for answers. So I, I feel, I feel it's, it's always changing. I mean, it, depending on what this, you know, where we are, I just did a series. Oh, it was the hardest job I ever had in my whole life. It hasn't come out yet. There's still, I think they're still editing. Um, it was in Canada, October through December of last year. And it's my show and um i probably shouldn't be saying this but i'll be quiet I, but i'm sorry i don't really know even how to turn that <laughs> it's anymore. all good it's all good <laughs> okay. um it, it was spam risk is called. Oh, there you go <laughs> yeah I, <get laughs> <a lot of laughs> that. I know that guy he <laughs> yes. calls way too hard yeah. i don't yeah. like him anymore um but um I, I it was also coming off the COVID couch. Yeah. You know, where suddenly I was in combat training. Taryn Butler, who trained Keanu Reeves for Wick, was my gun wow. my gun trainer. Wow. I was driving to Santa Clarita <laughs> for three hour sessions with him three times a week, and the trainer was coming to my house to teach me boxing and That's amazing.
2: Oh, and really wow. I'm like,
3: I was like, I was like, I was I, I was like blown out of a cannon. I was terrified. I was terrified. Well, I'm watching that show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so and there we were in Osoyo, British Columbia in the wine country, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in. And I, I really I, I was in a state of terror the whole time. I, I do do yoga. And I think if I didn't have that in my artillery, in my gun, in my, in my, as well as my guns, I don't know. I I mean, I, cause I was constantly going, I mean, I never, I never sat around breathing so much of my whole life before we would do anything. And it was so much, it was so physical, the whole thing. I feel really good about the acting scenes, but I've never done that kind of, choreography you know real fight choreography and hoping it would look real and they had to like promise me that the, it's not all they even said um, Bruce Lee they don't do one take and it's done you know they shoot them doing this and then they've been the one thing then the one thing punch would <laughs> I don't even know what it's called anymore you know though and and then they speed it up and they put it all together so I I, I felt better about it. But um, in terms of the I mean, we had two directors, two wonderful Canadian guys who um, never lost at the entire process and go to add, try and answer. Go back to your question. They were very open to my my pain <laughs> and they um, and the relationship was really powerful because I think it got me through the show. I didn't have fun. It's the first time as an actor I did not have a good time. I was so so worried about getting it right, you know, and about learning all these new things I was learning at a time where my brain was mush. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, here I am watching The Bachelor. Right. Right. Sure, sure. Coming out of COVID and all that. Now I'm in Canada shooting, shooting aka. Yeah, exactly flipping around <laughs>
2: <Really>? and, <laughs> one finger um, punches wow. everything <laughs> so
3: i still and i still sometimes i still wake up kind of in a cold sweat wow um, but um again to you know i'm not really answering your question 100 percent. but i feel like that the, the, the each of our knowledge you know and each of our experiences is always a little bit different of the share the sharing part of it sometimes they you know i need them to tell me exactly what to do just tell me how to do it or tell me where you want me to put my foot. You know, it's, it's that specific. And um, and sometimes they took, you know, they took their cues from me. I didn't feel I was able to be as participatory as I like to be. And especially in a show like this, um, because, again, there was no time. You know, we were really up against it all the time. But um, I, I love the team. You know, I'm and, I, and same thing with hair and makeup. And um, it's. It's the best sport there is is for me, you know, because it's such an emotional experience as well as an intellectual experience, as well as a physical experience. It embodies everything. So um, I hope I get to do it for again for a long time more. And I and I love the relationship. And that's why I was I was longing that with Sean, you know, and and there was no time for it. And that was a real um, and I feel. I hope we do work together again. I know an actor should never say that to a director, but I really sincerely mean that because I feel there's a real um, there's a a real relationship of creativity that was never really allowed to flower in this very short moment we had Mm -hmm. together. And um, but that is that for me is, is the fun of acting, too, It's it really makes suddenly you've created that other thing that none of none of you thought about you know really happening and it has a life of its own and um so uh i try and let me a good listener and also i talk a lot no <laughs> so, it's great we love it we love it are you yeah, kidding yeah. getting this okay, perspective
2: I mean, is is gold to yes, us we love this yeah, stuff so much like, yes. thank you uh, sean speaking on that note where do we go from here man are we getting to get a sequel do you have ideas planned i mean it's
0: Well, you know, I mean, they're still being pursued by uh, the
1: baddie. (laughs) That's right.
0: You know, um, look, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's. I'm, I'm happy with the movie we made, but in this. This ever changing environment of streaming cinema, you know, discoverability is a big is a big deal. So, you know, you never know if people even know the film is out there. So that'll be solely dictated by the. You know, the consumption of the public, if 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 they find out about it, if they go to see it, if they like it, you know, uh, I, I understand, you know, art is incredibly subjective. There's people that are going to love it, people that are going to hate it, people that are going to be incredibly offended by it. Um, so, you know, the, the 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 public will determine whether or not there's a part two, whether or not we find out that question that's posed at the end. You know, I, 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 I hope people dig it. You know, I, I, I was afforded every opportunity to make the film I wanted. You know what I mean? It, uh, Scott Dolezal, the producer, you know, he, he really gave me a very, very rare opportunity. And Alan Gilmer, that, that certainly directors fresh out of the gate don't get. And uh, it's not lost on me. So I had a wonderful time. I truly got to make the film that I wanted to make. Amazing. And I hope we can make a second one. I really
2: mm-hmm. do. Oh man, we do yes. too, my man. We yes. do too. <laughs> yeah. So that it as yes. we end here, man, anything <laughs> coming up next that's, that's in the pike that's coming out with you acting. Is there truth to the boondock saints three? I've been hearing what's, what's going on. Anything coming up?
0: Well, that's, uh, we're putting, we're putting that together. We're, but, but that certainly won't happen until next year. <clears throat> and also June 3rd, uh, Oddly enough, the same release date as Frank and Penelope, June 3rd, comes to theaters. The Boys, the new season of The Boys uh, comes out. Oh, perfect. And I play this thing called Gunpowder. So uh, that that comes out on the 3rd as well. So I have two two things debuting on the 3rd, which is kind of crazy. Very uh, exciting, I mean, man. That's, oh, yes. exciting. <laughs> Dude, that's great. That, nice. in the process of uh, uh, converting Jane 2, the book. To screenplay?
3: No way! Yeah. Oh wow! Oh, fantastic.
0: So, definitely. and I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I, I it'd be it'd be my dream to get to direct that. So, hopefully, someday
2: that would be a joy to see, man. That absolutely. Yeah, a i joy vote sure it'll happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes, yes. And Lynn, you how got, you about you got this? How about you, Lynn? You, you've got this secret project that you're uh, you're off making in Canada with guns and flipping <laughs> around and stuff. Anything else? Anything else?
3: um i i'm supposed to there's a film called carrier that rennie harlan is directing no way that, yeah oh. that i'm very and um i play ron perlman's wife it's also an action adventure we're supposed to go to bulgaria in I, the end of the summer i don't know yet you know the details at all but um it should be really fun it's you know she's a i get to play another tough mama <laughs> Cool. And and Ron, I haven't I know him a little bit, but not too much. So it should be. And um, uh, it, I think it's going to be really fun, though. It's it, it's, a, it's a fun, you know, it's got action and and horror. It's kind of got a little bit of um, a little bit of everything in it. So I'm looking forward to that. And then there's a couple of things brewing. We'll see what happens, you know, negotiations. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) We'll see. I don't know. Whatever they tell me to do, I'll be there.
2: (laughs) New new insidious (laughs) on the books yet, or is that still who knows? Yeah, there is.
3: There is. There is they're doing Patrick Wilson is gonna direct it. And um We'll see what happens.
2: Very cool. All right. Great, nice. All right. Nice. <laughs> hey, you guys. I know we've taken up so much. Of your time. It, it means everything to us. Thank you so much. It's been so exciting yes. for us to, to to dive into this movie that we honestly love so much. Amazing yeah. work to both of you. Sean, man, thanks for making this, man.
0: Well, man, guys, honestly, thanks for the kind words, man, because uh,
3: it means a lot. And especially hearing people that actually saw the movie. So thank you. Right. For it, And great, great questions, you guys. Also, I really appreciate that. You know, you asked some really thoughtful, wonderful questions. And for me, this was a real treat, Sean, because I feel like I got to tell you the truth.
0: (laughs) You're amazing in the film, and I <laughs> what I got to spend with you. I do. Thank oh, you. Well,
3: I do, too. I mean, you're an extraordinary director and talent and a wonderful man as well. And so I, I really, this was, I feel like I met you today, and I really appreciate you. Well, so I, thank you. I, thank you for having me in your movie. <laughs> I hope we can do it again, Linda. I do, too. I really, since I, you know, you say that shit, and then you go, oh, but I really do. I mean, I, I you, you've you got a fascinating...
0: I, you don't say it if I don't mean it. I okay. do not. <laughs> I don't mean it. So I, I
3: believe, you I mean, believe
2: Sean, man. I believe Sean. He yes, speaks from his heart. Yeah, you yeah. can tell when you watch yeah. this movie, man. You can tell. Yes, you can yeah. tell. Yeah. Awesome, yep. you guys. All right. Well, enjoy the right. weekend. Enjoy yes. the opening of this film when it comes out. And uh, I know we will. We'll be watching from the headlines, watching everybody talk. Uh, yeah. Talk so many wonderful things about it. It's, it's going to it's gonna make waves. I guarantee that. Yeah.
3: I think so, too. Thank you. Yeah. All Thank right you, oh, guys. Oh, great. My favorite interview for a long, oh, long, long so time. Oh, that's so amazing. Well, let's do it again, guys. Let's thanks do it again. again. Yes. All right. Take it easy. Right.
2: That was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 325. Special thanks to our guests, Sean Patrick Flannery and Lynn Shea. A time of release, their new film, Frank and Penelope, is in theaters June 3rd. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trev for the Boo Crew saying, Sweet Screams.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Tales from the Boo Crew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The A Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast (laughs) storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGTBQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen
0: free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.